You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G Talk Show with G Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, you got a Jeep? Want a Jeep? Never driven anything but a Jeep? Well, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hey, Tammy, did you hear the great news? Oh, what? Tony, what is it? Did we finally get picked up by that big name media outlet? (laughs) I wish. Josh's car, the Honda, the infamous Honda, was found, and he's got it back. I wonder if anyone, if it was anyone who... um, you know, we did that poll. I wonder if it was any one of them who took it. Any ideas, Josh, on who took your Honda? Well, you know, I'm getting conflicting reports around everywhere. Everybody's got an idea about this. Uh, some people say it's the same person, but, you know, both front seats were moved all the way forward this time. So I'm thinking it was somebody short. And last time it wasn't. Yeah, but Josh, you didn't say anything about the big bottle of lotion you found in the back, back seat, uh, among okay. other things. Um, you know, <laughs> what, what does that have to do? Let's oh. just <laughs> let's just move on, Tony. We, you know, let's just move on. So, what do we have for the listeners today, Tony? Well, Tammy, as always, I'm glad you asked that. On this episode, uh, we're going to have Dr. Moab as our guest. He's uh, doing a, a little run, a little overlanding uh, with a group that they've called Loose Screws. They're going to be doing over 700 miles of dirt road uh, on this overlanding trip, and, and you guys will like this. 20-year-old Jeeps, and sometimes in excess of 20 years, <laughs> so that nothing will uh, go wrong with that. Uh, also, too, Nikki G uh, needs help. Uh, no, it's it's different this time. It's it's uh-huh. real help that he needs. <laughs> Tammy, you're going to be telling us about woman woman's wheeling day and Wrangler talk. Steve four point three LXJ adds his uh, ongoing Dana thirty information in uh, Jeep tips. Uh, Josh, you're going to be delving into tire sizes for the new JL Wrangler. Uh, and we're going to hear a feel-good story, uh, a, a Jeep feel-good story in just a few. Oh, all of this and more on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Has your daily driver been stolen twice in the last six weeks? Maybe you would like to slow those thieves down and, well, need to add some additional security. Amazon has what you need to protect your POS Honda commuter or the Jeep you drive every day. From aftermarket alarms to the original club device, you can secure your ride and help us all out at once. Just click the Amazon button on our website, jeeptalkshow.com, and anything you buy at Amazon after clicking that will have a small percentage donated to help out the show. Hey, and thanks in advance. Well, speaking from experience, I know all too well what it's like to have something stolen. Some of our longtime listeners know that I've had numerous now experiences with something leaving my possession unwarranted. So when I saw this story flow like a tidal wave through social media over this last week or so, well, my heart reached out to them as I would, could definitely relate to certain elements of their story. Samantha Worley of Yelm, Washington, says that she had a severe panic attack middle of last week and was taken by ambulance to a local hospital in Tacoma. Her husband, Richard, followed along in their 1991 Jeep Cherokee with Ivy, their five-year-old Labrador, in the back. They were in the hospital for about an hour or so before Richard decided to go and check on the dog. That's when he came to discover the empty empty parking spot where the Jeep and his dog once were. 
Now, the couple checked with hospital security, who told them it wasn't towed and there was no broken glass. So they called the Tacoma police and reported the crime. Now, at the hospital, the wife just coming down from a full-blown panic attack, and now they have no Jeep and no dog. Feeling utterly hopeless and violated, the couple did what most of us would do in times of loss like this. They turned to social media for help and support. Seeing that they cared more about the dog than the Jeep in greatly vast numbers, neighbors and strangers alike from around the area offered to help look for the dog themselves, and the story was shared more than 100 times. Richard Worley, the husband, says for the couple, the dog is everything. I just got out of the Army recently and was struggling a bit. She's not technically a therapy dog, but she is to us, he said. Without their Jeep, the couple really couldn't get out and search much for Ivy, and they think that the person may not have even known about the dog until later down the road. Now, the biggest fear at this point was that the dog could still be in the Jeep and that they just dumped the rig somewhere and left her in it. Now, the story all but went viral. And thankfully, Wednesday, the Jeep was found. And keeping nearby to the only connection that she had to her home, Ivy, the five-year-old lab, was also found nearby and in good health. And, and very happy to be reunited with her family. Oh, Thank goodness you had a good ending to that because I was going to be mad. I was going to be. I was concerned that it was going to be. And if you've seen Ivy, you know, <laughs> I know I was. There like, wasn't no. going to be a conclusion, you know. Uh, but I had some hope after last week. You talked about the uh, the dog that was uh, missing for nineteen weeks, or not, I'm sorry, nineteen days. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the uh, what was that, Colorado? The rollover that uh, took uh, a lady's uh, life. Uh, that they actually found the dog after nineteen days, and so I was hopeful. Dogs are pretty pretty resilient. It's it's nice that they are scavengers, but my main concern from that story was that she was going to be locked up in the Jeep. You, you just never can tell about people. I mean, almost everybody is a dog person but occasionally you run across these uh uh these uh, misfits that uh, don't mm. like dogs and uh, don't treat them very well yeah now we've all seen the stories and yeah thankfully this one had a happy ending well we might have some good news for those of us who are uh, strongly looking at the new jeep pickup coming up here next year september started off with some lackluster spy photos releases and released uh, of the upcoming 2019 jeep pickup we are of course still awaiting the official name but for now we're calling it the scrambler the last batch of pics we saw had a heavy vinyl camouflage covering up much of it. Well, this time there's far less blankets hiding the goods, but there's still plenty of that garbage bag-like material obstructing the eye. But we can finally make out some of the good details. Now, as expected, there aren't too many surprises. It still looks like a Wrangler, but with a pickup bed, as we all expected. And the details so far seem to support that. Now, there are new, a few interesting new developments to report this time. The last time we reported on the Scrambler test mule, it was noted that it had a mishmash of parts on it. Components from the older JK versions of the Wrangler and even some Chrysler 300 components. Those all seem to be gone now, thank God. And we've finally been, they've finally been replaced with some modern equipment from the JL version of the Wrangler. This is still a test mule, but it's, this isn't just any JL Wrangler they're pulling the parts from that we're seeing on this. It seems that Jeep has heard our concerns about whether or not the new pickup was still going to retain the off-road prowess of its Wrangler cousin. Now, in a few of these spy photos, you can just make out the distinctive black interior with red trim from the current JL Rubicon. On top of that, it has a nice set of chunky 285-70R17 Falcon off-road tires that are also calling card hallmarks of the Rubicon trim package. So if it acts like a duck and quacks like a duck, are you guys thinking what I'm thinking here? Well, we may very well have a Rubicon trim level option for the new Scrambler when it comes out. Off-road enthusiasts should also rejoice in the fact that we can confirm now, for the first time, 
there will be rock rails on the scrambler as well. Now, we can't really make out much else through the vinyl, and it, but this is a promising sign nonetheless. We're fast approaching the time for a full reveal from FCA. I mean, like any day now, seriously. But my gut, though, is telling me that we won't see a full reveal until sometime this winter. Fingers crossed, though, of course. So, Josh, are you going to get yours in 2019 or are you going to wait a year? You know, I'm going to wait a year, actually. Um, (laughs) It seems like with Jeep, it's been historic that, you know, something comes out, it's new. There's inevitably a couple of few bugs. We saw it with the Cherokee. We've even seen it with this new JL. Uh, There's not that's not to say that's going to be something that's going to shy me away from a purchase altogether. But I kind of want the bugs to be worked out of the system a little bit. I want there to possibly be even a lease return or something like that in the works where my, I, I be, might be able to get something that has some depreciation on it already and still be quite new. So, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit, but man, as soon as one of these gets to my dealership, I'm going for a test drive. Oh, yeah. I think, I, I think I'm going to have to as well. I haven't been uh, this interested in a Jeep, uh, well, since I <laughs> bought my uh, XJ in 98. I mean, the, uh, the TJs were interesting back then too, but we went the uh, XJ route. So, uh, I'm very excited about this. I, I wasn't a big fan of the uh, the Scrambler. I considered it to be a pretty damn ugly vehicle, uh, but very unique. Uh, hmm. But uh, but some of the I, I think some of the stuff that you've been reading about this and the potential of having this as a tow vehicle, uh, I just I, I'll say it again. How cool is it to have a Jeep for a tow vehicle pulling your modified Jeep to take out on the trail? Uh, I'm just hoping it comes in red. Oh jeez! Well, likely it will. Sammy, well, Tony, Sammy, you've uh, you've mentioned that you've been excited about the new jail pickup coming up here uh, in the past as well. Uh, talking about the same kind of points that Tony and I right. have talked about, how cool it would be to have a Jeep towing a Jeep. Now, with this new news coming out that there might be a Rubicon package, uh, you know, an off-road package or whatnot, is that maybe changing your opinions at all, or maybe your thoughts a little bit? Um, you know, I'm just really sentimental. I mean, it was really hard for me to trade in my Sahara for the Rubicon, but I've now had the Rubicon longer and I just don't know if I could, I mean, I might just wheel them both. Oh, uh, <laughs> there's yeah. going to be an option. I think I a know. lot of people are probably thinking about. Okay. I was working yeah. on this as you guys were talking and I think you'll buy into this. Now, All how, right. how better, uh, a reason to have a Rubicon truck because you never know when your off road rig is where it's going to break down. You may need mm. to have that ability right. to get to the, where the, the vehicle is so that you can pull it out. Right. <laughs> There so not go. just a not just a tow rig, but a recovery vehicle. A recovery vehicle. vehicle right. There you go. Slash oh. tow rig. Yep. Multi-purpose. Oh, see, now or you got two I reasons just... to talk to the significant <laughs> other into letting you buy one. But honey. Right. <laughs> or I could keep one at my West Coast house and one at my East Coast house. Oh, right? see, now Tammy's yeah. thinking. Now Tammy's thinking. <laughs> have no. one stationed if, if in only. Moab in Colorado. Right. And, yeah, I get it. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you win that lottery, you let me know. <laughs> oh, of course. I'll get you one too, Josh. Well, hey, if you guys have a news tip, want to join in on the conversation, you have a response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how you can do that. Hey, and coming up here later in the show, an interview with the one and only Dr. Moab. Stick around. Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. This is Steve, 4.3 LXJ, with another Dana 30 Jeep tip. And last time we talked about the Dana 30 brake modification, and uh, 
Uh, it's a good modification to make, but it does require a little bit of fabrication. You can, however, buy kits. They ain't cheap. You can get uh, the whole kit from Rusty, new stuff for about eleven or twelve hundred bucks, or you can uh, go the Reckon Yard route and take some shortcuts on this. One of the other things you can do that is similar is the Terraflex high stair kit. Uh, they're about six hundred bucks. You get a knuckle. And a couple of tie rods, well, a tie rod and a uh, uh, a drag link. And uh, it is a high steer. A lot of people say, oh, it's just crossover steering, but it's a high steer. Trust me. And uh, it will take your drag link mounting point about five, a little over five inches above where it would be on uh, the stock steering knuckle. And... Uh, with the Terraflex option, you uh, it just comes drilled with straight holes and they give you inserts. So you can mount your drag link and your tie rod in the down position or you can use them in the up position. If you use the up position on the drag link, it is about the same as a high steer. Oh, probably an inch lower than it would be on a reed racing knuckle. The uh, thing about the inserts is, is you got to drill a, a good hole. You can't uh, do it on the rig. you got to take the knuckles off, use a drill press, drill a nice straight hole, and uh, they work just fine. And you can, uh, uh, on these Terraflex, they give you a very large tie rod uh, end. It uh, comes in with two stud sizes, one for Dana 60 uh, or one for the Dana 30 size. They don't have anything in between. Uh, personally, as far as tie rod ends go, I've never seen the studs fail. It's What fails is the ball area from lack of lubrication or being bent too far from too tall of a lift. So you can uh, uh, make your decisions based on that. Till next time, we'll see you on the trail. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we'll be talking about the all-new 2018 Jeep Wrangler JL, and we'll find out what tire sizes we can squeeze under one. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You most certainly are, you lucky listener, you. And if you haven't checked out everything else under the 4x4 Radio Network umbrella, well, be sure to do so right now. Next time you're online, head over to 4x4radionetwork.com. You can check out all the shows we have there. They're all off-road related. The 4x4 Podcast, the Center Steer Podcast, the Trail Chasers Podcast, and our newest member, the On the Trail Podcast. They're all posting up new episodes all the time. Go check it out, 4x4radionetwork.com. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G Mama. Tony and Josh, this is not a recording. I'm really here in the studio. <gasps> um, I know. I. <laughs> and I'm probably going to get a little teary-eyed here because this past weekend was was very emotional for me. Um, four years ago, I was welcomed into a community with open arms. I was given support and encouragement like I've never received before. And my joy for this new passion that I found began to grow from an incredibly positive environment 
while I was surrounded by other women in this new sport I was starting out in. And of course, that's off-roading. And this set an amazing foundation for a love that just continues to grow to this day. And like I said, this community was the off-roading community and specifically women off-roaders. And this past Saturday was the sixth annual Women's Wheeling Day at Roush Creek Off-Road Park. And this is the largest women's off-road wheeling event in the United States and we're guessing the world. And it was my fifth one. Now, this event was created with a vision of a day on the trails where women can be among their peers in a welcoming and supportive environment. And one of the the reason behind this is because one of the founders had a really bad first experience off-roading and she just didn't want that to happen to other women. So this event grew from eight women in the first year, which I did not attend, which was 2013, to a couple of hundred this year, over 200 and 30 women signed up to drive this event. Not all of them came. A lot of them were from the area where Florence was hitting. Um, But we had at least 200 women drivers. Now, like I said, in 2014, I joined the event for the first time as a woman wheeler. And the past three years, I have been actively participating as a volunteer, volunteering my time as a tail gunner. And for those of you that don't know, a tail gunner works with the trail guide to safely uh, guide the off-roaders through the trails. Obviously, the tail gunner is the last jeep in the group. And I was the tail gunner for group 13, which made me really nervous because of the number, but we did fine. And this group of jeepers was new to the trails. All but one of the women had never laid a tire off-road, with the exception of snow or the beach. And some of them were really nervous. Some of them were excited but apprehensive because they didn't know what to expect. So, you know, we're out wheeling, and it was nearing the end of the day, and we headed over to the northeast section of the park where I very rarely go, but there's tons of green trails over there. However, a lot of these trails were affected by the floods up in Pennsylvania over the past summer. Nothing to do with Florence, but over the summer, lots of flooding in Pennsylvania, which has affected a lot of the trails at Roush Creek. They're no longer green trails. Some of them are now blue or blacks, which is which are more difficult trails due to lots of washouts and other types of flood damage. But we were told which ones were good for us. And unfortunately, they weren't as green as we expected. And we had a stock Grand Cherokee um, on the trails and unfortunately had a, got a punctured tire on an exposed tree root. So we had to take some time to change the tire. And we're watching the clock and we're like, oh, no, we need to you know, get back for the raffle because they were raffling off some prizes. So we just had everybody just kind of turn around their Jeeps, which made the trail gunner the trail guide. So Tony and Josh, I ended up being a trail guide for just a small part of the day. And I had the opportunity to guide some of these first-time off-roaders up and over obstacles. This is my first time I spotted people myself over um, these obstacles And they were able to gain confidence each time we did this as they traversed the trails. But they also gave me something back by trusting me to guide them over the trails. And I was like, oh, my God, I I did it. I knew exactly where to put them. And 
I, I just didn't have this confidence that I could do it because everyone kept saying, you should be a trail guide. And it was such an amazing day, not only to see the smiles and hearing the hoorays from these women who wheeled on these green trails for the first time ever, but it was amazing because I got to give back to this community that I call a family. And it just fills my heart with so much joy to be able to help these first timers, to give them the confidence that I was given four years ago when I was wheeling. And um, whenever you go to an event and people ask you to volunteer your time, I think it's a really good idea just to say, hey, wherever you need me, because it makes the events so much better for first timers. Because you know what? You can go another day and wheel those more difficult trails. But I, I, I got so much more out of helping these first timers and I'm so looking forward to next year's event where I'm going to be a trail guide for the first time. And it was just amazing to get the thanks from these women and hugs and I'm sorry, I'm tearing up already, but it's just, it just made me feel really good that I gave them the confidence, but they gave it back to me knowing that I can be a successful spotter on the trails. So, um, what a wonderful, uh, heartwarming story that you're, you've given us there, Tammy. But I, I got to ask, uh, where were you on the first year? Why weren't you at the first event? So you could be um, 100% participation in this thing. I was, <laughs> that was September of 2013 and I hadn't even discovered off-roading it. I was in my uh-huh. Sahara, but I hadn't really, it wasn't until that March or April. Well, at least you had so a Jeep. Was, yeah, at least you yeah, had a Jeep. No, so right. I, I was thinking I was maybe it was just, before before you had actually got the Jeep. No, I was grocery getter, Jeep mom. Did, then. did your kids ever play Little League Baseball? Um, Ben was in T-ball for a little bit, but. So you know where they put the kids uh, that, uh, that don't perform as, as well as the rest of the kids. If it's not on the bench, they put them on the right field, uh, outfield, because right, most right. people are left-handed. The, do, right. do, do you think being a tail gunner is kind of like right, being a right field player? Yeah, you know, and that's what, <laughs> that's what I was reading about it, because I was trying to find the right description to describe a tail gunner. And it was actually, they have tail gunners in uh, motorcycle rides. Oh. And... It said that the tail gunner is just as important as the trail guide. Well, they told so. the, they told the kid in the right field the same thing. Right. But uh, I know it's important Funny. that you. <laughs> Josh is over there. Josh is rolling his eyes bad. tonight. Uh, well, yeah, because we got somebody driving a jeep. They got two kids that play right field in the back seat right now, right. and it's like. <laughs> oh, I got some news about Santa Claus coming up later. Yeah. <laughs> And just let me tell you about the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Uh, so no, I I I know that, but but you said it yourself. Whenever you turned around and had to be the the leader, it was something that you, uh, I'm sure you were concerned about. Like, oh man, I don't want to screw this up. And right. so the comfort factor was a much better. It was much easier to to just follow along and make right. sure everybody stayed in line. You you kick somebody back in bounds every so often. The thing that you need to realize too is I was in a lifted Jeep. And all these other women are in stock, Wranglers, oh, two-doors, yeah. four-doors, and they're following me. They're taking my line. Right. So I needed to be aware of, okay, yeah, my Jeep can go do this more difficult line, but they're going to try to follow me. So I had to be very conscious of which lines I chose. Well, this worked out really well since you started wheeling this thing before you did any modifications to right. it. So you had a right. better idea of what to expect for them. Exactly. And I, I 
cannot say this enough, but I think if you are going to buy a Jeep and you want to go off-roading, I think the your best thing to do is to wheel it stock as long as you can mm. so you can learn yeah. what the Jeep can do and what it can't do. So then when you do go stock, I, I just think you become a better off-road driver. Uh, we said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, Jeeps are uh, the, the Wranglers, the Cherokees, uh, the old Cherokees were very capable straight off the showroom floor. Indeed. Totally. Indeed. Yeah, I'm see, I, I see YJs, TJs, XJs uh, out on the trails. Very small modifications, very few modifications do mm -hmm. just fine out there. And guys are having a blast. You know, the, the yeah. modern vehicles, the, the, the JKs and especially the JLs now in stock form are extremely capable, especially if the Rub if you got a Rubicon trim level. So, I mean, nothing to worry about in, indeed. And, and Tammy, kudos, congratulations indeed for, for you know, putting yourself in these kind of situations, getting to the point of where you've increased your skill level, your knowledge base, and everything else to where you can confidently and safely do something like this. So, right. I mean, that's just awesome. Just awesome. The thing that really struck me was at the beginning when one of the ladies pulled up and I said, oh, so you have, ever, have you ever been off-roading? She's like, no. And I'm like, well, do you know about airing down your tires? She's like, no. And it just... <laughs> brought me, sucked me all the way back to that first time I went out and all the stuff that I have, all the knowledge that I've gained since then is I never thought I would ever get to this point where I would know so much more than I did that first time. And it, just it in, felt so overwhelming then, but you know. Just in you telling the story today, Tammy, uh, about this the the vernacular the 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 lingo the the words that you're using <laughs> and whatnot I mean two years ago you could not have told this story in this light I mean plain and simply you just didn't have the knowledge base you didn't have the seat right. time you didn't have the experience certainly not to tell this kind of a story with the kind of articulation that you did and with the confidence that you did knowing that you're you, you know what you're talking about and and being able to to confidently tell the story about you know what you did. Uh, and it's just, it's, I'm listening here and listening to you, you tell the story and, and talking and using this, this terminology that two years ago you never would have used. And, yeah, and it's just, it, it really goes to show how much you've come, uh, you know, on your own Jeep journey. Yeah. Lots of confidence. Hey folks, coming up later in the show, we're going to hear something from Nikki G. Hey guys, I need you to help me out here. I'm debating on going to 37, but I know there's a lot of work that I need to do to get my truck up to 37. I'm currently on 35. It's a 2008 JKU four-door, and it's a white Jeep. <laughs> help me out. What should I do, and how much do I need to beef up the front Dana 44s? All right, guys. Love listening to your podcast. Keep it going. Thank you. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for calling in. And uh, for calling in, we're going to offer you a, a nice, shiny, new Jeep Talk Show sticker. Yeah, I want to address that really quick, though. Um, there's a lot of information that we just did a, a multi-part segment on specifically about that question, in fact. So uh, if you haven't gotten to it yet already, go back to, I think it's episode 344, is when we started talking about the the axles in the in the JL or in the JKs, um, specifically about the Dana 30, but uh, it, it applies a lot of that to the, the Dana 44 as well. If you have a Rubicon JKU um, or you have the 44s underneath of your JK, then you're you're well on your way to being able to run 37s already. 
Um, I don't know what kind of lift you're running, if you have any uh, drivetrain modifications at all uh, yet. Uh, if you're just stock uh, running 35s or you have a budget boost, you know, something like a, like a little one-inch lift, a leveling kit, something like that, um, then likely you may be looking at some susp suspension modifications as well. Um, kind of hard to get into, into a lot of details about this because I don't know a lot of details about your specific Jeep and where you are at with your build. Now, if we had that sort of information, we could kind of start going down the rabbit trails a little bit about some of your options and whatnot. But I will say, for now, go back, and I think it's episode 344 where we start talking about the, uh, the axles under the JK, um, and you can start getting a lot of information about what your options are and what's out there uh, as far as what you can do, and uh, Mike, you pointed in the right direction. And thanks for calling in. Yeah, and Josh, real quick, I know, uh, like on the uh, the XJs, the Cherokees, that if you were going to do something uh, larger than thirty fives, well, on the Dana thirty, that would be uh, if it was locked, it would be kind of an issue. But uh, mm -hmm. you do have to start worrying about the uh, the uh, the steering box pulling away from the unibody. Now we're talking about a frame uh, a frame on situation here with the JKs. But is there anything in the steering components that uh, would need to be beefed up or uh, that you're aware of? I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I, I know about on the Cherokee, but I, I've never read anything about the, uh, the JKs or the JKUs requiring uh, additional uh, stiffening so that you don't pull things apart. That's a very, very good point, Tony, that you raised because you look at the stock tire size, you know, just the mass of what that steering suspension or what the steering uh, setup was was designed to push around. We're talking about around a 32-inch tire, give or take an inch. Um, and the mass of that tire is a lot less. The weight of that tire and, and everything um, is a lot less than a 37-inch tire, uh, especially when you get into you know the, the sidewall ratings and, and, and stuff like that where you get into a very durable off-road tire. A 37-inch tire can weigh dozens of pounds more than a 31 or 32-inch tire, even a 33-inch tire for that matter. A lot of unsprung weight, a lot of mass that you're going to have to try and push around. Now, when you get into off-road situations where you may be up against a rock, up against a ledge, um, up against a tree or something like that, and you've got to turn yourself out of a situation or into a new line or whatnot, you're going to be really working that steering, all the steering components. And they're not designed to push around 37-inch tires um, you know, in an off-road situation. So yeah, even on pavement for that matter. I imagine taking a slow turn around a corner, the kinds of shear forces are going to be involved in pushing those 37s across dry pavement. So uh, there are concerns into what your steering is, uh, the, the current the situation you're steering, how worn it is, if there's been any upgrades, etc. You might want to start looking at moving some of your uh, shortlist items up into the steering components and start beefing those up if 37s are in your future. Tammy, have you uh, looked at any uh, larger tires than 35? Is that, was that anything that was interesting to you? Um, you know, I would like to do 37s, but then the whole, all the U-joints and the, the gears and it just opens up a whole new... I didn't think about the gears. You'd be really looking yeah. at the need of re-gearing, uh, especially yeah. on automatic. Not necessarily. I mean, if, you're, if, I you're, mean you, if you've already re-geared for 35s, then likely you're going to be in the ballpark for 37s. I mean, let's say, let's say you know, you, you changed out your stock you know, 411 gear ratio for 456s or you know, 355s for 456s. Um, that's not a bad gear ratio for 37s, uh, in fact. So, you know, that, that might be something where... It's, it's a moot point, but yeah, if you're still running stock gears and you've gone up from 32s to 37s, 
you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have almost no power to yeah, do anything off road. You're going right. to notice an anemic difference. <laughs> Very much so, especially on the highway. Yeah, so there's a there's a great number of things to look at. I would think the uh, the tie rod ends uh, would uh, be a kind of a concern because of the size that they're there. You have a lot of torque, side torque, whenever you start turning those big tires, especially like what Josh was saying, against rocks and things that are impeding its progress to move left or right. And now that's, that that's all translated to the to every all the other components that are it's attached to. That's one of the things I hear when you're when I'm out on the trails. It's like, oh yeah, somebody just broke a tie rod. Oh yeah, it's a tie rod. And I think actually Nate just broke one too. So hmm. yeah, it, can, it happens very easily when when you have yeah. a lot of resistance in trying to push very large tires in in uneven terrain. You know, stuff that's fighting you pushing that tire around. Well, the weak link is going to give, and if you have thin wall tubing in that steering, in those steering uh, linkages and the steering components, you know things are going to start to bend. They they're under a lot of force already, and if they're just not designed to can- handle that kind of a weight and that kind of mass, well, you're going to not only wear things faster, but you have a very high chance of breaking stuff off road too. So sorry, Jimmy, we don't mean to uh, bum you out, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a potentially very long list, and and keep in mind, and we've said it before. Uh, you strengthen one area, it just moves the the weak link to another another place. Uh, so very well put. Yep, un- very well put. So go to the local Seven Eleven and buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> yeah, and a mechanic. You got tech questions? What oh, do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good because I can. It's tech talk with Jeep talk. Yahoo! Well, this week we have a tech question that is common to just about any Jeeper, regardless of the model or year of the Jeep they drive. And it's a topic that any of us new to the off-road world may ask or hear at some point ourselves, and that is tire size. Now, Jeff W. went over to jeeptalkshow.com contact, and he used our info there to reach out to the show and submit his question. He writes in, I'm new to Jeeping, bought my JL Sport back in July, and I'm ready to start upgrading. I've been researching larger tires, and I'm getting conflicting information maybe y'all can help me out with. I'm thinking of going to a 33-inch tire and have seen where some say no lift is required, and others say it will slightly rub. A simple solution I have found was to replace the stock springs and shocks with shocks and springs out of a Rubicon, which should net me about an inch and a quarter of lift. What are your thoughts on doing this? Love the show and have been listening to back episodes while I work. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jeffrey W. Well, hi, Jeff, and thanks for writing in first and foremost. Information is coming out of the woodwork about the new JL and JLU Wranglers. The aftermarket is scrambling to get all of us hooked up with the new gear. Now, they're quickly becoming one of Jeep's best-selling vehicles. Stock, they're nothing to laugh at with all-new axle and drivetrain that is really already steps above previous generations. However, that's not to say there isn't room for modifications. I mean, that is, after all, what we do to our Jeeps once bitten by the bug. We modify, we improve, and we make them our own. Jeff is no exception, and he's already off to a good start, knowing what he wants and kind of what he wants to do with it. The problem is, is that this never lasts for very long. And I'm going to give it a year before Jeffrey is, well, contemplating 37s, but I I digress. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Jeff's concerns are valid, and they're worth noting. He knows being new to the sport, he's not going to know everything, and he's going to get overwhelmed quickly with a lot of the info that's out there. So getting the facts is a good place to start. Now, the JL Sport comes stock with 31-inch tires, while the Rubicon comes with 32-inch tires. Now, they're actually metric versions of these. I know people are screaming into the stereos right now, or their phones, uh, but the, and the size is a little bit larger from you know inches versus metric. Now, now, now it's true that Jeff could turn to Craigslist or eBay and try his luck picking up a set of takeoffs 
from somebody who has already lifted their Jeep and is selling off their old factory stuff. And hopefully he doesn't get screwed or end up with overly worn parts. Now, there is some debate over the exact net gain lift that you get using Rubicon parts, but let's say for the sake of argument, it's about one inch. Now, I don't know where Jeff is from, but around here in the Pacific Northwest where I'm from, the older JK Rubicon springs and shocks can be had for right around 100 to 150 bucks, and there's a fair a good selection of them. For the brand new takeoffs from a 2018 JL, well, your selection is going to be a lot less. There's not as many on the road now, and they're going to range from about three to four hundred dollars. Of course, your location may vary and prices may vary where you're at. Now, there is another option, though. Companies like Extreme Terrain sell what are called leveling kits for the 2018 Jeep Wranglers. These come in different variations that will range from a very basic spacer kit to a more complete kit that even has shocks. These are not essentially a lift kit, but they kind of are. Now, all Jeeps come with just a little bit of a rake. That is to say that the front is just a pinch lower than the rear of the Jeep. This is by design and is because of things like crash safety and aerodynamics and fuel economy and all things we do not buy a Jeep for. So, a leveling kit addresses this uneven stance while simultaneously giving you a tiny bit of lift, typically around one to one and a half inches. This allows you to run a slightly larger tire, making your Jeep uh, a little bit more capable and a little bit more aggressive looking as well. Now, Jeff just bought his Jeep and is still going to be, it's still going to be under warranty. And although any leveling kit can be installed in an afternoon with common hand tools and requires no modifications, we start getting into possible warranty issues with new vehicles. Now, technically, this can be considered a modification to the suspension and may void the warranty. Mopar makes a small 2-inch lift kit that keeps the warranty and lets you run 35-inch tires. This typically runs in the $1,500 range, and we haven't even addressed the install or even new tires yet. So, that may be an option well out of the reach for Jeffrey. In any case, a lot of this is going to come down to budget. And one place you may be able to save some big money on is the tires. TireRack.com is a good place to see what's out there and what sorts of reviews they're getting as well. Comparing prices of metric to standard tires, in some cases, you can even save a couple hundred bucks by sacrificing a couple hundredths of an inch, just in the size. Of course, you have to do you have to get the right size and you know tire and combination to match with your wheel and everything, so you may need to do some searching around to find the right combo. Now that's not to say, of course, keeping the factory wheels isn't an option. The stock 17-inch alloy wheels found on the Sport JL trim level of the Wrangler is plenty capable of supporting a 33-inch tall tire, or a metric equivalent. Now, but there, here's my bottom line and piece of advice for Jeff or any new Jeeper out there that is in a similar position to Jeff's. Reach out to your local Jeep clubs. Find somebody with a set of 33s and offer to buy them lunch if they let you do a little bit of a tire comparison. I've done this myself for people on multiple occasions. Take a, pair of, uh, take a pair of my wheels and tires and temporarily mount them on somebody else's Jeep. You know, it, it, they get to see their ride in a whole new light. They get to determine if their size that the, of wheel and tire that they're thinking of will fit and if there will be any other issues like brake or steering component clearance, overall fitment, etc., etc. For a few minutes of work, it can generate a ton of useful information that will be immeasurably valuable in the coming months. All right, Jeffrey, I hope this helps. Yes, you can likely fit 33s with no problems on your current stock suspension. However, you will have some issues with rubbing or when you're towing or carrying heavy loads or when you go off-road and the suspension starts to cycle more than it does when on the highway. But if you can put off on that aspect of Jeep ownership for a little while, be mindful of how you drive, you can focus on your wheel and tire selection now and address the suspension in a little bit 
as you save up for that warranty saving lift kit. So not really not having to do with uh, what you uh, read here, uh, Josh. Uh, All right, then we're going to move on. Okay, next up. Okay. But still, <laughs> still a good question, I think. Uh, of course, it is mine. Are, are you guys aware of any time that a manufacturer has released two different models of a vehicle in the same year? Uh, you know, the JK and the JL. Uh, for, for example, the, there's uh, 2018s are for both. Yeah, in, in in this case, this is a little bit of a unique instance where there are two Wranglers for 2018 from Jeep, except they are two completely different models. They are they both have the same model year, but they are different models. Now we've seen half years in a lot yeah, of instances. Yeah. I know Toyota is famous for that. So is uh, is Mitsubishi and Nissan. Um, Nissan, I think, is probably the top of the list as far as the half years go. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it's it's not like a full model change. Um, so it, it's one of these things to where uh, when somebody says they have a 2018 Wrangler, you kind of got to squint your eyes a little bit and like, <laughs> which, which one? one? <laughs> which <Yeah>. one? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point, Tony. You raise a lot of questions uh, because it does matter because the, the axle that's in uh, the, the JL is different than the axle that's in the, JK, uh, the JK. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are going to be subtle differences there as well as far, you know, capability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as far as suspension and stuff goes, relatively similar uh, especially as far as like clearance and and what you know two inches will net you as far as what tire size you can put on and stuff like that. Yeah, well, like and I said, I, it really didn't have to do much with the story. Uh, I, I just thought it was strange. Somebody talked about getting a. Uh, I think one of our listeners wrote in about having getting a 2018 JK, and I went, "Oh, that's right. Wait a minute, mm -hmm. that's weird." Uh, and, and maybe I just hadn't been paying attention. And I think what's uh, I don't know how this is going to affect anything, but. There are, are tons and tons of people out there going to buy a new Wrangler that have no idea that there is even a difference between the two different models, and they're just going to go buy whatever Ooh, they're going to buy. Do you, think, you think they're getting Tammy, a JK was, by accident? Or well, they, no, I was, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just don't think they're going to know that there's a difference. Yeah. I, mean, I was thinking I about this the other day. I, the, the, somebody is looking to buy a new Jeep. Maybe they're even listening to our show and and, and how much we've talked up uh, the JL and whatnot and how you know, we're big fans of it and everything. They go to the dealership. Yeah, I want one of those new Wranglers. I want a Wrangler. Uh, and they get, they get sold <laughs> the sales, a JK. The salesman's the, the, sure. <laughs> Right. There's a few more points on it. Uh -huh. You know, there's a little bit, you know, and so it's in the salesman's incentive for him to sell somebody who is a little bit, you know, naive to jeeping mm -hmm. this, you know, JK instead of the JL when all intents and purposes, they maybe had gone in there for the JL and really weren't paying attention right. to the subtle differences between the two. So, yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. It's funny you brought that up, Tammy, because I think that's a very real possibility. Hey, if there's anybody out there or if you know anybody who's uh, uh, who's gone through this, let us know. Call into the show and we want to hear your story. Yeah, check the taillights. <laughs> right. Well, and the, the funny thing is, is when I was at the Toledo plant and Royal was taking me to the JK assembly line, we're, you know, we're walking by and there's this red Jeep, you know, on the line and there's well, all these course. people around it. And I just look at it like, oh, it's a Jeep. And Royal's like, oh, that's the new JL. And he's getting all like, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, huh, really? You know, because if you don't know the differences at the time, I didn't know. And a lot of us didn't know. You're like, oh, no, that's just a regular JK. But it's it's not. So I still maintain that was the best news 
that you it's hard to tell the difference because I, I think we were all concerned they were going to do something radically bad right. to the wrangler so not being able to tell is a good thing and and having to have that special eye of knowledge of where to look and what to look at right so you can mm. tell the difference is good i've noticed the the jails i've seen a couple of jails uh when i was oh, coming home from work it. yeah yeah it, it's distinct right. especially those taillights it's oh just, right. i know i love it are you a fan of the taillights i don't really care for them I, I like them. Um, it, they remind me, yes, they remind me a little bit of the Renegade taillights. You know, they got that, that, that sort of jerry can, um, you know, side profile look to them. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like that Easter egg aspect to it. Uh, they are bright. Um, they're, oh, I think they're a better taillight design than what was on the TJ or the, or the JK for that matter. Um, well, those so, were, they had candles in there, Josh, so of course. I know, I know. <laughs> These are bright. I will say that you could see a JL's taillights a mile away, so. Yeah, it's uh, I I like them. I like them. Yeah. Wait, well, you guys have anything to add to the conversation? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. We'll just jump over to JeepTalkShow.com/slash/contact and send us a message. Who knows? You might just have your question answered here on the air. This is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Chim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the Jeep, Jeep Talk Show. Show. And a nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support. All right, guys, it's getting close to the end of the month, and that means we have another Jeep Action Magazine subscription to give away. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, that's a year-long subscription to just a beautiful Jeep magazine from down under. So uh, you know about our voicemail line. Uh, so if you don't, just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, be the third caller to leave us a voicemail and say jeep action magazine is awesome remember that jeep magazine is awesome and you'll get a year-long subscription that's six issues uh, of the jeep action magazine and of course special thanks to ben davidson for making this giveaway possible now make sure you say that phrase exactly jeep action magazine is awesome you know it really pays off to be sure you listen to the show as soon as possible and we have new episodes every friday tammy josh do you guys listen to the show as soon as possible usually i'm uh, typically about a week behind so i i you know as possible if for me is usually not very soon good lord josh please play along <laughs> 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 i'm trying to get them to listen to the the show right away you know and get the app you know and and press that uh, little button that gets the latest three episodes and then it is that's it's right what you there gotta do. that's what you got to do to be tony be right i'm there. up at 5 a.m. Friday morning, waiting for the Jeep Talk Now, show. see, that's how you sell it, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> what a funny commercial. That was hilarious, that thing. She's hitting the glass. I'm here. I'm glad to hear that was a nationwide thing, because sometimes yeah. you see stuff on TV that you tell somebody and they don't know. It's like telling you guys about Whataburger. Huh? Whata, whata? <laughs> if you ever come down here, you'll have one and you'll go, oh, my God, I've got to move here. I don't eat burgers unless they're cooked on my grill. <gasps> I know. I think you'd really enjoy the Whataburger, though. You'd have to at least try a bite. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. 
All right, kids, we got another interview tonight. You know, we have one every week, a new uh, guest every week. And this week, we're going to be uh, uh, interviewing what, what I think is a legend on the NAXJ.org uh, website, the forum, uh, also called Naxja. Uh, Dr. Moab, if you spend any time on uh, on Naxja, you've seen that screen name, I know. So we're going to be talking to uh, Ryan, Dr. Moab, about a uh, upcoming uh, cross-country uh, run they're going to be doing. He, he and some friends, some uh, kind of an unofficial thing, but but aren't those the best kind anyway? Uh, Ryan, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. And, and do you prefer uh, Ryan or Doctor? Ryan is fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, so you're actually in uh, what I would consider to be uh, the secondary God's country, Texas being, you know, God's country. Uh, you're out there in uh, Utah, is that correct? That's right, yep. Uh, and probably h- helps the uh, getting the uh, the Dr. Moab name since uh, you, you're, I would assume you're fairly close to Moab? I'm about 250 miles away, so yeah, just north of Salt Lake. Excellent. And have you lived there all your life? I have, yep. I actually live... Uh, in the house next door to the house that I was born in. So, oh wow! Other than a two-year stint in uh, Missoula, Montana, I've lived here literally my whole life. Oh, I hear my ta- Montana is beautiful too. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I have a question before we get started. I'm a Wrangler girl, and I know there's lots of Wrangler listeners out there, and I've never heard of, and maybe it's just me. What is Naxja? <laughs> it's the North. The North American XJ Association, it ah. um, is the largest, or at least at one time was the largest Cherokee club in the country, uh, dues-paying club. So I take it you're a Cherokee owner. Well, of course. I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All the best people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, and you know, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you uh, you ever listened to the show or not, but you know, we have to know what color your uh, your Cherokee is. Which one? I uh, have three. I always tell people oh, their wow. favorite, uh, uh, the favorite one or the red one. Mine is yellow. Of course, it's my favorite. My wife's is green, and my daughter's is black. You know, I'm not going to play the fail sign because I like yellow. <laughs> it's it's nice and bright. It's not red, but it would be another good choice uh, for a uh, a Jeep color. We actually do have a red one in the family. It's my older son's. He lives next door here. But so, yeah, we do have one red Jeep. You got to love the bright colors. I think that uh, every Jeep should have a bright color. Tammy, don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Tammy has Whatever a, you say, Tony. Tammy has a black Jeep. <laughs> All uh, right. So tell me about this, uh, this, this tour that you guys are going to be doing, because that's really how we got started as, as far as talking about you being a guest here on the show. Uh, what is this thing? I think you have a, a kind of a, a name for it, and uh, just just give the us and the listeners a little bit of idea what what you guys got planned. What what shenanigans are you, are you guys planning? Yeah, so we're calling it the Loose Screws Tour. Uh, basically, it's uh, kind of the the means to an end to get to the 35th anniversary Naxja event in Moab. Um, we're taking. We're leaving here on the 4th of October and spending 10 days? What's the 4th through the 10th? Six days, I guess. Uh, driving cross-country, overlanding, basically from uh, here in Salt Lake, uh, down through the San Rafael Swell, uh, through the Henry Mountains, uh, down into the Comb Ridge area, up through landing Monticello, and then we're going to run the... 
Lockhart Basin Trail and end up in Moab. So we're covering about 700 miles of dirt road before we get there. And that, that sounds like a lot of fun. And that's kind of the goal, really, is to stay off the main uh, the main roads uh, and, and do dirt as much as possible. Yeah, from the time we leave Salt Lake, we'll have maybe 120 miles of pavement, and after that, with the exception of a few, you know, a few sections, you just can't avoid. We will be pretty much on dirt all the way to Moab. So, uh, and I don't know if this has been finalized or not, but how many people do you have going? So I just made a list here. We have one, two, three, four, five, and possibly my brother, and then my kid and me. So seven, eight of us. That's a that's a good sized group. Now, are you're planning on uh, uh, this is basically an overland trip, overlanding trip. So you're going to be uh, camping out along the way, or are you going to be uh, yes? Go, okay. So yep. uh, you're gonna. <laughs> that's a, that's a long time without a shower, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a. <laughs> when we roll into Moab, I'm sure nobody's going to want to uh, hang out with us much until we until we find a shower. Now, I uh, I was in Moab in 2016, and I flew into Salt Lake. And it only took me like three and a half, four hours, maybe five hours to drive from Salt Lake to Moab. So obviously you guys are taking a super long route. I'm not familiar with, like you you mentioned, all these places. So are you guys just staying in Utah when you do your little trip or are you going to? Yes. If you drove down from Salt Lake, you drove through Price, Utah. Um, We will drive to price and then from price we will hit dirt and go due south and go through an area called the Santa Fe Swell which is a big geological uh, uplift that runs oh probably a hundred miles I'm not exactly sure um, through some of personally I think it's the most scenic area in Utah much more pretty than uh, than even Moab is and then we're kind of if you were to look on it on a map, uh, our route would look like a big J. So we're going to go south quite a ways, end up way further south than Moab, and then we'll work our way north back into town. Okay. I was kind of guessing that. I just, you know, when you mentioned like the, Hen- I've heard of the Henry Mountains, I believe, um, but I just wasn't familiar with the other places that you mentioned. So once you guys get to Moab, are you planning on doing some wheeling while you're out there, or is that just your destination so that you can uh, go home from that spot? No, we we'll, we plan on doing um, well, probably a trail or two a day for the four days that we're there. Um, Naxtra runs probably five trails a day, and we'll be you, you know we'll just join up with them and the trails that they're running. I haven't set a I haven't set a, I, I don't have a list of which trails I'm going to run. I don't really care. I've, I've ran them all. Um, I, I love them all. I'm just happy to, to be there and, you know, be with some friends. So, yeah, that's right. You did mention before the, uh, before we started the interview here that, uh, this is, uh, culminating in, uh, getting there for the, uh, the big, uh, next to 35th anniversary. When you, when, when you told me 35 year anniversary, it's Naxja's anniversary or what's that 35 years? They haven't been around for 35 years, have they? It's the anniversary of the Cherokee or the XJ. So the first one was built, even though it was a 80, the, <clears throat> the first one was an 84, but they actually started selling them in October of 83. Ah, okay. 
Naksha was founded in 99, I believe. And every year since 2003, they've done every five years. So that, you know, the big, the big five year anniversaries, they do a big event where they have people from, you, you know, members from all over the country kind of culminate there for, for, uh, that event fun and excitement now the uh, I, the next year event is not just for cherokees or is it no in fact uh the past president he's not the president anymore but he was up until a year or two ago he had an lj he didn't even have a cherokee <laughs> so he he had in the past but you know for the last few years he he had been had been running a a, a wrangler so mm-hmm yeah, so and that happens quite often, and I don't know how you feel about it, but you know, to me, uh, the the TJs, the LJs, the JKs, the JKUs, and even the 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 JLs, you know, if it's got a solid uh, front axle, I <laughs> that I'm uh, I'm kind of considering that a Jeep, and uh, that goes for the Grand Cherokees as well. Now, uh, and and we're really not here to talk about the Grand Cherokee stuff, but there's a Grand Cherokee uh, forum similar to the Nax Jeff. I can't remember what it's called, like uh, G something or another. Uh, but uh, do you get the, those those folks out there with the Grand Cherokees in Moab? Yeah. Oh, to oh the, yeah. To the next year event. Oh, oh, to this event. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there will probably be a few people that show up in in one. Um, I would say ninety percent of the people that show up will be in in XJs or a you know XJ or an MJ. So you know, but but there's always the holdouts. People that, like you said, used to be used to have an XJ or an MJ and they've upgraded or changed or wrecked theirs and built something different, you know? Yeah, Ryan, it's changed. It's not an upgrade. Hey, Tammy, do you know what an MJ is? You know, Tony, I was just going to ask that question. So, you know, an XJ obviously is a Cherokee. Right. And an MJ. See, my guess would be uh, XJ is a two-door Cherokee and an MJ is a four-door Cherokee. That's, but not, that's I have- not a bad guess. I have no idea what an MJ is. So an MJ is a Comanche. The it's the the pickup oh, truck that was okay. based on the Cherokee. Right. Yeah. So it's so it, it's exactly I'm, like a Cherokee, Tammy, from the front. Uh, everything on on it is a Cherokee except right. for the, the bed. And it's uh, and correct me on this, uh, Ryan. It's a uh, a half unibody, half frame vehicle. The 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 bed actually is on a frame. And the f- the front part of the Cherokee is a unibody, like like an uh, XJ would be. Yep, that's right. You can still remove the bed just like you could on a full frame pickup, but that frame ties into the unibody under the under the the cab. It, it's so much alike that uh, they stopped making the uh, the MJs in '92, uh, I believe, and uh, you can actually take a '97 plus Cherokee. Take off the doors, the fenders, the hood, and uh, the nose, uh, and put it on. Uh, it bolts directly on to the uh, 92 or, or newer, or, or I should say later, uh, Comanches. So you can actually upgrade your Comanche to be a 97 plus uh, looking uh, truck, even though they didn't make them past 1992. Uh, it's probably it's probably not important to anybody but me, but I think it's really cool how you can upgrade the interior and exterior. Uh, to the later body style. I've always said that they should have came that way from the factory. It irritates and 
a lot of the the MJ purists. <laughs> there's there's definitely two schools of thought there. You know, the the purists. The, there's a lot of people that there's a there's a big rift between even XJ owners of the old school guys that like the old school body and the new school guys that like the new school bodies. But to me, they just look right when they're set up that way. Oh yeah. Well, the the first the first Cherokee I had was the the ninety eight, the one I still have. So that's what I learned. That's what I have driven for the last 20 years. So that's what I like. And, and I think that happens to a lot of people. They, the first vehicle they get is the one that they like the best. Although, uh, even though I'm talking about, you know, where you can modify the, uh, the, the Comanche so it looks like a 97 plus, part of me says it's kind of not right to do because you're taking something that is really old and you're, you're butchering it into something that was never uh, created from the factory. It's almost like opening up that uh, Spock doll that you got, the little action figure, <laughs> taking it out of the wrapper, you know, and you just to just leave it the way it was, pristine. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say, Tony. Um, so I take it the, the MJ's um, wheelbase is the same as the Cherokee, or is it longer? No, they're longer. Um, and I should know this, but I don't. Um, a Cherokee is 103, no, 101.3, I think. And a, I don't know. They made a long bed and a short bed. And of course, they're both different. So I, right. I, I don't know what the wheelbase is on them, but they're, they're a little bit longer. I really like the short wheelbase, but I was the same way in the full size pickups. So I never did care for the long wheelbase. Um, but the, finding a, a 92 uh, MJ Comanche uh, in a short bed is difficult. I think just finding a 92 by itself is difficult, but finding a short bed is, uh, is difficult. You know, I keep looking on Craigslist, even though I don't know what I would do if I got it. I mean, I'd love it and pet it and rub its fur the right way, but uh, I don't know where I'd put it or which one I would drive e- each day, uh, depending on the XJ or the MJ. Wouldn't be getting rid of the XJ, that's for sure. What uh, what year is it that uh, what year XJ is it that you have? It's a ninety something, isn't it? My yellow one. Yeah, the, it's a two thousand one. Oh, okay. It's I, I was thinking it was a ninety nine, but uh, two thousand one. Do you have the uh, what do they call it the 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 Tuppy head, the T U P Y head, the one where they fix the uh, uh, exhaust port uh, head cracking problem? No, and to be honest, there is not a single drivetrain component in my jeep that was originally in it uh the motor's a 96 i converted it to a five speed using a 97 transmission i don't even know where the transfer case come from the rear axles out of a 88 and i don't even know where i got the front axles but it it literally doesn't have a single stock piece of drivetrain in it so when you go to AutoZone and you want to part you just probably drive them crazy (laughs) yeah i do i drive myself crazy because i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) you need a build sheet i I was just gonna say so i I get you you know you live in utah moab all that i'm guessing that's where dr moab comes from so Dr. Moab came from my friends back before I was even what I would consider a real jeeper. My my family, we have been going down to that part of the state since before I was born. My parents have slides and photos from the 50s and the 60s going into Canyonlands before it was even a national park. Back wow. in old Willie's wagons. And, and uh, so I grew up down there. I knew the area very well. Um, I... You know, not so much the like the hardcore 
classic trails that you would think of of Moab today, but the, but but just the, the area in general. And I remember we were on a trip with some friends and somebody made the comment that because we were going somewhere and I knew where we were going and nobody else did. And they were like, you are like the doctor of Moab. And <laughs> it, it just Stuck. kind of stuck at, uh, right. back in the, in the AOL days. Um, I used it as a, uh, I, I don't can't remember if it was a, a, a password or a screen name or, or something and it's just stuck and it's been that way ever since. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, uh, the, uh, getting back to the, this, uh, this tour, this trip that you guys are going to be doing, uh, you actually have somebody coming in from, from out of state, out of country, don't you? Yes. Uh, Australia, a guy named Scott Wood. Yeah. He's, he's flying in from, uh, from Australia. Um, we've never met. We're friends on Facebook. Um, he's in another, yeah, he's in another XJ group that, uh, that I moderate on Facebook and we've have been Facebook friends for several years. And we've always kind of joked about, well, you take me to the outback in Australia and show me around and I'll, you know, you come to Utah and I'll show you around here. And it just happened to be that his wife, I believe has, she's going to visit some friends and in New York. And so they just decided to, it just, everything came together where it worked out that they, she was coming here the same time we were going on this trip. And so he decided to fly over with her and she's going to do her thing. And, and we're picking him up, literally picking him up from the airport in the Jeeps and leaving from there. We're not even making a stop. So. (laughs) That sounds great. And, and what a great thing Scott did by uh, working it out where he didn't have to go and stay with a, uh, with his wife and her boring friends. <laughs> yeah, really. He'll be listening to this later. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get him in trouble. You said. Um, <laughs> so now uh, you guys are, are going to be uh, actually pr- providing Scott to drive something. Uh, is that correct? I mean, uh, I would assume somebody else is going to be driving the vehicle. You're not going to be towing uh, an extra vehicle. Well, the original plan was that he was just going to ride with me. Um just, just ride shotgun. And then, uh, I bought this MJ a couple of weeks ago that I still haven't picked up. And if it makes it here from South Carolina in one piece, he'll be driving either that or my Cherokee and I'll drive the other one. You know, it's that kind of negative thinking that gets people in trouble. Of course it's going to make it. My God, those things are, are like tanks. I mean, it's just like the Cherokee. So you're, you're right. You're 100% correct. <laughs> I know something that always happened. Now you're, you're getting this MJ, you're picking up this, this, uh, MJ that actually is a, a 97 plus conversion, by the way, it beautifully done. He shared some pictures with me, Tammy, and it, it looks just like the, my, uh, my 98 inside. And, uh, I mean, there's some modifications on the outside, but same type of uh, features that you would see on a Cherokee. Now this is a, a good, uh, fair piece away and, and you're concerned about, uh, this long uh, trek that you're going to be doing to bring it back. How, how long a trek are you uh, are you going to be driving this MJ back? Twenty one hundred miles. It's in uh, South Carolina. Um. Now you know there's lots of flooding and stuff going on down there, right? I hope you've picked a, a <laughs> I, good I, route. I, well, so I'm actually buying it from a really close friend of mine, and uh-huh. uh, they are almost over on the. Georgia border. So they really oh, haven't okay. got a lot yeah. of the weather. That's good. 
And damn yeah, it, Tammy, it's a four-wheel drive lifted. It, it, it can make it. That's well, right. I don't know. You should see some of the, the water there. It's scary. Yeah, they get hit pretty hard over there. Yeah, I'm glad well, it's not on eastern side of the state i, I right. even even where it is i was i was pretty worried about it so but it, it all worked out oh that's awesome so you guys what are you guys try, uh, hoping to accomplish uh, on this uh, loose screw loose screws tour that you're doing it this sounds like your your plan is to have some good fun well yeah so originally it kind of came to fruition after we found out that scott was coming over from australia i figured i want to show this guy He's going to be here two weeks. I want to show him as much of Utah as I can possibly show him. And I figured what better way than to just camp every night and travel every day to a new location. And, you know, I, I picked a route that I felt kind of took us through some of the most scenic areas in Utah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously he was coming over here for the for the next event, but this is, you, you know, I figured this was just the best way that I could give him the, the best bang for his buck basically. But once I started planning it, I have another friend of mine named Dave Williams who pretty much, I mean, we, we go everywhere together. So if we plan a trip, it's like, Hey, we're going here. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, we, we, so we started talking with him and then, you know, more friends started saying, Hey, I, I hear you're going here. Uh, <laughs> you know, would you mind some extra company? And like I said, before long there, we ended up with seven, eight rigs and I uh, got a guy coming from uh, California to join us. And another guy coming from, Oh, he's going to hate me, but I think he's in Colorado or, or somewhere, uh, but another, we're all another we're beautiful all place up here. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, did you want to mention, so did you want to mention everybody uh, that's going to be part of the group? Sure. Yeah, I could do that. There's uh, Dave Williams. He's my almost next door neighbor here. He's driving a Cherokee like me and Jeff Turner. Uh, speaking of Naxja, Jeff Turner is one of the founding members. He, I want to say his member number is, uh, he'll kill me too, nine or 11. He's, I mean, he was, he was there when they first came up with the idea to create the club. Um, Brian Reyna will be in a two-door JK uh, Richard Gautier, uh, who goes by Goatman on Naxja, he will be in a Cherokee, I think. Um, I've, uh, I've spoken with him before. We uh, I interviewed him, uh, part of the, uh, the I forget what it was now, the, uh, not, what's that event he, that he was driving in, uh, off-road event? Uh, he, he, they used to race an Ultra 4 car, uh, King of the Hammers. King of the Hammers. He was taking, right. a, he had yep. an XJ out there for, for King of the Hammers. That was a, that, that, yep, a cool yep. rig. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, Farmer Matt, who's another old school Naxja guy. He's in a JK with a 6.1 Hemi and 40-inch tires. And then uh, maybe my brother in his brand new JL, but we don't know yet. He's can't. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to get the time off of work. And then, of course, Scott and, and me. And Tammy, you know what? You remember what a JL is, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. No, that's what Nate drives. So I, I thought you might uh, might remember. No, that a JL is the new Jeep. Oh, is it? What am I thinking yeah. of? LJ. I was uh, LJ. Yeah, you uh, were being dyslexic. Dyslexic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you you did say LJ, right? I'm sorry, you did say uh, JL, right, Ryan? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he just it's uh 2018 brand new. Yeah, My brand new. Goodness, that's uh, that's gonna be fun. 
Uh, are you guys planning on giving real hard time about it? Yeah. So <laughs> if he hears this, he'll kill me, but he, he drives very slow <laughs> and I don't blame him. I mean, it's no, brand new. It's, but, but I, I, I but, mean, the brand new Jeep, that would be tough. I, I had this, still drive very slow. I haven't had this talk with him yet because I don't know for sure that he's going, but I've been gearing up to have this talk with him where I'm going to have to tell him, you know, if you want to go on this trip, you're going to have to learn how to drive a little faster because I can't <laughs> wait for you at every turn for 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, <So>. gee. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one of the most fun things about guys getting together is all the crap everybody gives everybody else. Until the fight, first fight breaks out, then you, you dial it back a little bit. <laughs> Nobody fights when they're camping, man. I mean, it's it's campfire camaraderie, right? It's uh, I I I can't think of anything I would rather be doing than sitting around a campfire with my Jeep buddies. Now, driving cross country, or at least driving long distances, is is not something new to you. You do this for a living, right? I I do. Yes, I I haul propane for a living. Oh, there's got to be all kinds of uh, of uh, jokes uh, for Hank Hill that you have. Hank to Hill. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to search for the thing. I hadn't seen it in such a long time. Now, does it make it better or worse driving across country when you when you do a lot of it? Do you do you, do you get this mindset where you you pay attention to what's going on, but you just because you've gotten used to uh, going through these mind-numbingly long drives, it's easier to do, or does it go oh more of the same? You know. It's a, it's a lot different when you're in a semi. Those things are, at least the newer trucks, are they, they are built from the ground up to be comfortable to drive long distances. Oh. Um, you know, they, they are so comfortable to drive. I, can, I could get in a truck and literally drive 15 hours a day, even though that's not legal, but I could, and, and not get tired and not get fatigued where I hop in a Jeep and in four hours, I'm about ready to crawl out of my skin. So <laughs> there's, there's a huge difference between the two. Tammy, have you ever uh, ridden in an 18 wheeler? No. Yeah. I haven't the closest either. I, yeah, the closest I got was a fire truck. Yeah, I can see that. Got to quit yeah. calling in those, uh, those false alarms, Tammy. I know. Uh, so now I know that, uh, I asked you before we started that you, you don't go across country, but you do uh, go uh, quite a, uh, quite a ways away from, uh, from home, uh, on your, uh, your trips. Uh, what is the, the most interesting or strangest thing that you've seen out there on the road? And I'm sure it's going to have something to do with a stupid four wheeler. Actually, no. The <laughs> strangest thing I ever saw. Well, I don't know. I've I've had a lot of weird weather related strangeness, but I I came across a semi that had jackknifed, and then this was in the in the winter in Montana. He had he had jackknifed, and then slid off the road and rolled the trailer, but the jackknife was if you can envision this, it was facing away from the roll. So when the trailer rolled, the tractor was facing straight up and down. And you think oh. about how long, uh, how long a, a, a tractor, a semi tractor is. When I drove by that guy was trying to get out of his truck and he was probably 20 feet in the air and had nowhere to go. Oh my he was, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> he was fine. He wasn't hurt, but he couldn't, 
you know, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get out. I don't know. It was, the weather was so bad. I didn't dare stop because I was afraid that I was going to get hit too. So I kept going and I, I kind of looked at him and I was like, well, he's moving. So he's probably okay. But I wouldn't surprise me if they had to get a fire truck or something to get him down. I mean, not very many people, not very many truck drivers think, you know, a, a rope ladder would be a good thing to have here in the cab with me. <laughs> yeah, really. A fire <laughs> right, escape right. ladder. Yeah. That's pretty wild. So uh, do you drive at night as well? You do, don't you? I actually prefer to drive at night. So uh, anything uh, strange in the skies? Uh, maybe meteors that have uh, lit? Uh, UFOs. Yeah, well, UFOs would be a lot of fun, but I think he would have started with that. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking meteors and all kinds of uh, strange things that you would see way out there in the darkness. One of my uh, regular routes is to uh, run from here to Tonopah, Nevada, which is kind of skirts the north edge of Area 51 area oh, out, uh, yes. in, in there uh, along the extraterrestrial highway there uh-huh. i was out there one night um i don't know two o'clock in the morning and i i saw these weird orange lights and it was like there was one light and then another light and another light they were like all in a row and about the time the sixth one come on the first one started to to go out and I was like, what in the world am I seeing? Am I seeing aliens? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's where I was. It was the first thing that come to mind. But after a few minutes, after I got closer and closer to where this was happening, I realized it was uh, an airplane, uh, probably a fighter jet dropping flares. Yeah. Uh, And and they were running with no running lights. There was no green and red lights like you would see in normal airspace. And so – there was no way to tell that that's what was actually coming out because there was no way to identify it. It was just these orange lights flashing in the sky, and it, it was really strange. Yeah, but it's still exciting, even if it's yeah. explained. Still exciting to see, and I can just imagine there's quite a bit of that. I mean, there's I'm sure there's hours and hours of uh, nothing and just boredom, uh, but uh, but great whenever uh, those things happen that you're you're out there and able to see them. So uh, tell me, uh, we always ask for the kids. You know, the kids love the social media. Uh, where can people uh, follow you along? Maybe maybe see some great pictures. Uh, you know, Josh, I, I think I told you on the phone the other day, Josh gave you some uh, great kudos for wonderful pictures that you take. And uh, how better to see those pictures but uh, on Instagram. And I, I think you have an Instagram account. I do. Yep. It's just uh, Dr. Moab. And I just DR. friended him. Oh, cool. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, how about Facebook? Anything else? Uh, any other social media? Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's Facebook at Dr. Moab, I believe too. It's fairly locked down, but I think I have some public photo albums there. So, but if people want to watch the, the photos, and I'm sure you're going to be taking photos, uh, while, while you guys do this, uh, Overland trip, uh, it, it would Instagram be the best place to watch? Instagram and also there is a uh, Facebook page called it's just Dr. Moab that I haven't really done much with, but I kind of had started to plan to do a little bit with on this trip. So excellent. And you can see the yellow Cherokee. It looks really nice. Oh, it's a very nice. Uh, Cherokee. Yeah. That's, that's why I was thinking it was like a 99 or so. I didn't think it was the, the 2000, 2001. They actually only made the solar yellow Cherokees in 2000 and 2001. There's rumor. I've heard that they made them in '99, but I've never seen one. Did you ever see the uh, the Barney Purple uh, Jeep? I think it was around '96, '97 uh, mm-hmm. uh, that they made. I, I worked with a friend at uh, HP 
uh, who had one. And I just could not believe that they actually put that color on a Jeep. It was wild. There's one running around local here. I see it every once in a while. And I kind of like to have it just because they, they couldn't have made very many of those. No, I don't think so either. I had never seen such a thing. And I spent quite a bit of time on Naxja when I first started building my uh, my XJ. Now, right. those spent. Uh, I'm sorry, real quick. Those fenders, is that normal on Cherokees to have those kind of fenders? On my yellow one? No, they're bushwhacker uh, flat. They co- just call them a flat flare. They're right. just a rub. Yeah. Do Cherokee, most Cherokee people put those? Because all the Cherokees I ever see are just naked, I guess you would call it. Well, so here in Utah, we that we, we have some pretty stringent laws on mud flaps and fender flares the uh, tires have to be completely right. covered and then right. and then you have to run anything any modified vehicle has to run uh mud flaps so mud flaps. and i really hate mud i hate having mud on my wind like on my side windows and i've driven a few cherokees with no fender flares at all and you get you drive through one mud puddle and you can't see out of the side of your windows anymore and right that's just not for me it's like a rooster tail but in the front uh, right. <laughs> bef- exactly. Bef- before I put my uh, bushwhackers on mine, uh, driving around with the uh, the the uh, thirty-two by twelve and a halfs, or no, thirty-two by uh, yeah, thirty-two by twelve and a halfs. It it the just the light rain, and you just had this spray going, you know, uh, twenty feet in the air on both sides of the jeep. So uh, it was nice getting the uh, the bushwhackers on there because I, I went with the traditional ones. They didn't have the flat uh, the flat ones whenever I was. Uh, uh, looking at the bushwhacker stuff, so I kind of would like to have the flat uh, fender flares on mine now, but I've already made the uh, the cuts, so no, it ain't gonna yeah, happen. <laughs> yep, I have them on my daughters too, and I had them. I had the, the I think they call they call them a pocket style. I think yeah, it's probably what you have. I had those on my original Cherokee, and uh, the Cherokee that my daughter has has them too. Um, but we bought it that way. If I would have put them on myself, I would have I would have put the kind that I have on or uh napier you know uh, uh this this mj that i'm getting has notch custom fender flares you know there's tons of different companies that make all different kinds of styles but i've been pretty happy with these ones they've held up i mean they've been on there seven years now so yeah and uh, it's not like you don't uh, wheel that jeep um and i think the flat fenders flares give you a little more clearance than the uh, the standard pocket flares i don't know I, I actually have never, I, 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 be honest, I put them on there because I like the way they look, mm-hmm. but, but they do open them up quite a bit. Yep. Well, Ryan, I hope we can get you back uh, whenever you finish the trip so we can uh, find out all the, the things that you had to go through, uh, uh, any, uh, any new uh, like animal uh, issues. I always worry about that whenever I'm, uh, when I'm thinking about camping out. Dan, uh, Dan Cole from the 4x4 podcast actually went up from like the middle of the United States all the way to Alaska and they were camping out along the way. And I'm like, Dan, aren't you concerned about bears? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I always think about that whenever you're overlanding, especially up in that part of the country with uh, the, the type animals that you guys have up there. Any concerns about the, the animals along the way? Not, not really. Um, the, probably the worst. There's not. A, there, there's a few. Maybe up in the Henry Mountains, we might get into some bear country. I know there's a mm-hmm. few bears down in Canyonlands and obviously Bears Ears country, but they're small black bears. They don't usually bother people too much, like you know grizzlies do up in Idaho and Wyoming and Montana. But 
uh, probably the biggest the, the animal that scares me the most is cougars mountain lions oh yeah i didn't think about um, that there's not a i mean if there is one attack every five years here i would be surprised it's just not something you hear about but I just don't trust them. They're sneaky. They're cats. Well, no, yeah, sure. you know how cats are. You never, never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you very much for being with us tonight. And uh, like I said, I hope we can get you back uh, uh, after the trip so we can, uh, uh, we and our audience can hear uh, all the, the things that happened uh, across the trip. And uh, hopefully it'll all work out like you planned. And good luck on your trip uh, going and getting that beautiful MJ uh, yeah, it's uh, and, and I, I don't know. Uh, I know this and uh, I didn't bring it up in the the main interview, but this is a highly modified MJ. It's got uh, Dana 44s and uh, uh, what size tires are on there? Is it like 37s or is it 35s? 30, 35s. 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 Yeah. Um, so uh, with uh, special uh, fenders, flap fiberglass uh, 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 fender flares. And it, it's just a beautiful truck. It, it uh, you, You're going to have a lot of fun with that. I just, I hope you don't cry whenever it gets its first dent, though. Me too. <laughs> I think my friend that built it will probably cry worse than me, though. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to get that. Well, good luck with that. And hopefully you won't uh, have any issues. And then you can brag about, yeah, and I drove it 2,100 miles, had no issues. Well, you know, I bought my daughter's Jeep from the same friend uh, two years ago and we drove it across the country at basically the same manner and uh you know i was in fact we we actually changed the transfer case the night before we left at like midnight because it wow. was we like there was this bad it ended up being a pinion bearing it wasn't even a transfer case but i didn't know it at the time and i'm a my dad is a drive line their drivetrain mechanic i i have been around mechanics my whole life so i pick up on little noises and stuff and and i'm a worry work i worry about everything and so that was one of the most stressful trips home i've ever had and yet we had zero problem i mean we come home you know, you know we couldn't have had a better trip and so I, i'm hoping that you know all the worry that you do over a trip like this is all for nothing i, I i'm not really that worried but you you'd, i think you'd be dumb not to at least be prepared absolutely yeah absolutely well you have so many people that you've uh, that you've met and talked to through next gen facebook i'm sure if you do have some issues there'll be lots of friends around the, to be able to give you a hand yes yep all right ryan we'll have a great night thank you very much for being with us here tonight thank you yep thanks a lot and of course, we got to say thanks again to Ryan Ward, the one and only Dr. Moab, for taking the time to talk about his apparent Jeep addiction and his upcoming 700-mile <laughs> overlanding trip with loose screws. That should be fun, and uh, hopefully we get to get some feedback when he gets back, uh, if he makes it back in one piece. Fingers crossed. Uh, I want to hear how that trip went. Hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry, or maybe you know somebody who does? Maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show yourself. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Oh, you know, I, I forgot. We should have put this in the show notes. We have a, national, a, a new special form that you can fill out uh, either to be a guest or to suggest a guest. So just right there where Josh said, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Just look for the two forms that are available uh, where it talks about guests and uh, click at it, click at it, click at it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, is that a new thing? Yeah, it's uh, it's biblical. Uh, click with it, and then uh, put in uh, <laughs> who you uh, who you want to be on there, or uh, who you, if you want to be on there. 
So coming up next week, Chris from Tuffy Products. Tammy, you remember talking to Tuffy Products in the past, don't yes, you? Yes. Well, well, did I buy something from them? I think you did. I, well, I was typing this in. I was going, yeah, I think Tammy bought something from Tuffy. They got a lot of great stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of lockable metal, very significant, mm-hmm. beefy things. And, and you know, what? <laughs> if you have an open-air Jeep like uh, Tammy does and like my wife with the TJ, it's it's good to have something that you can lock that's uh, got nice, thick metal, you know, just slows the thieves down just a little bit. But anyway, we'll be talking to Chris next week. From the mind of Nikki G. Hold on to something. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I was wondering if you could help me get in touch with Robin Robin from Uori OHV fam. Uh, I've got myself in a bit of a jam. And I know what you're thinking. No, I don't have my hand stuck in a pickle jar. Oh, again. (laughs) <laughs> it's stuck in a jelly jar, hence mm-hmm. the term. I'm jam. in a jam, yep. and I uh, can't really pull myself out of it because I got my other hand stuck in a jar of peanut butter. And uh, Sir Craps a lot <laughs> is no help at all. Yeah, I know, buddy. But Lassie would have got help a long time ago. <laughs> you mean I'm not stuck in a well yet? All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Did you guys ever see <laughs> Down Boy? Did you guys ever see how they would ca- uh, how the uh, in Africa they would capture mon- monkeys? They would put little uh, stuff in holes and like a food uh, type things, and the monkey Aww. would go in there and and grab the food and through the hole. And when they made a fist, they were they were stuck because they wouldn't let go of the food, and they would go up and, and capture the monkeys because. They wouldn't let go, and it reminds me of uh, Nikki G with the the peanut butter jars, you know. So uh, you just you don't want to let go, Nikki G. Just let go. Okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Yeah, what is it, and why do I want it? Well, I got a little surprise for you. You know, we all love Jeep parts and accessories, and Mm -hmm. we all love a good discount. Mm -hmm. So I have a discount code on Jeep parts to share with everybody. First of all, you need to check out route16.com slash blog, B-L-O-G. And then when you go there, you need to click on the top of the page where it says great gear. So then you look around, shop around on that site, and when you're ready to buy something, use the code JeepMama, J-E-E-P-M-O-M-M-A, and you're going to receive 10% off. And there's some really cool items on this page. There is this really cool collapsible, collapsible fire pit for all you camping overlanding folks. There's the Route 1 6 hammocks, um, the grab handles, which I highly recommend. Um, for These are for the JKs. Um, they go on your A pillars. They're super solid grab handles. You got the Crazy Beaver shovel, the lube lockers, which I use those on my diff covers. They're awesome. Rock lights, tail lights, hoods, headlights, lots of other stuff. Attraction jack which I added that to my wish list. Anyway, route16.com slash blog, and go check it out. If you feel like you need to buy something, um, 
just put in the coupon code JeepMama and you'll receive 10% off. And um, I don't know how long this is going on, but Brian at Route16 has got a raffle going on, an online raffle where you can buy raffle tickets and you can win the collapsible fire pit and one other thing. It's a Factor 55 something, I forget. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, uh, Robin posted yeah. it earlier today on Facebook. I saw that. Yeah, anyway, the money's going to the Florence victims. I'm not sure how long that raffle is lasting. So anyway, check it out. That's my product review today is to give back to you guys for putting up with listening to me talk about product reviews. So the coupon code JeepMama. Yeah, I forget what the the Factor 55 thing is, but it's that basically that squarish looking thing that you no, would normally use a D-ring for. And it's like 250 bucks for this thing. And uh, I think the raffle I read uh, on Robin's post that uh, six bucks gets you a chance to, to win a $250 item. Right. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah, that's uh, that's really cheap. Of course, it's, you're not paying six bucks to get it. And, and one other thing I want to mention uh, about that crazy beaver shovel. Uh, what better instrument to have to, to take down a rabid crazy beaver? It, it would yeah, be a, yeah. a crazy beaver <laughs> shovel. shovel. Yes. <laughs> Hey, real quick, I got I got to uh, make a small correction here. Tammy said root16.com slash blog. It's actually root16.blog is the link oh. that you're going to be uh, looking for. Thank so if you. you try to if you try to do this the slash blog, you're going to get a 404 See, error. So being root16.blog. <laughs> She's being sneaky because not All so right. you can't use the code. Yeah, I know. I was just trying to help everybody. Tammy's like, oh, dang it. Now i got to pay for all that. That's right. Oh. You know, one has, um, to, one has to wonder with all these 10% uh, 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 10% off codes that he has, why does this drop the price of everything 10%? <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's actually, everything is already on sale um, on this page. You can see the little mark. Ah. So but you get an additional you get, savings. You'll get additional savings, yes. All right. <laughs> and Brian is veteran owned and he's a really great guy. So he, he they have others. He's literally yeah. owned by a veteran. That's that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> um and there's other stuff that he sells too, but this specific page is the Jeep Mama coupon code. And Josh, thanks for pointing that out. It's root one six dot blog. Have you have you ordered a hammock yet? Um, I already bought one Did when you? I was um, at Uari. Uh, those oh. things look pretty cool. I've seen pictures of those those little fire. What did you call it? Not a fire pit. Is it a fire pit? Yeah, it is yeah, a, fire it's like a fire pit. I want one. And it says Route One Six on the side. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all like laser cut and stuff. Yeah, really cool. Yep. Yeah, so it's it's really neat. And uh, I, uh, I I I don't know. I haven't seen the email about the offer to make a Jeep Talk Show one, but. I'm waiting, oh, I'm waiting for it. Oh, I'm waiting yeah. for it. A Jeep Mama one would <laughs> we'll be do a, better. We'll do a 10 plus faces. percent on those. That would be the way yeah. we would sell those. 10.5, yeah. <laughs> hey, do you have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear as our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown, around the nation, in Wheeling Ware. Hey Josh, did you see those? Uh, those uh, I think we got like four events that the people filled out the form on the JeepTalkShow.com slash contacts. Did you see all those? Yeah, I've been been seeing those come in, and of course, we, every week we get just a ton of submissions for events, and love and we'd that. love to be able to to get all that information to all you guys. But 
I mean, it would be almost an entire show into itself just going over uh, all the different events that we get week to week. So we got to only pick a two or three each week that we highlight. So if you guys have turned in uh, an idea for a show and we haven't aired it, you know, we, we're going to put that sort of stuff on our website or uh, on the uh, Facebook page when we can. Uh, and we get to the ones that we can in the show. So keep those events coming and uh, we'll get them into the in, into the mix as best we can. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put a couple uh, in the show and then uh, for, for everybody else, if you don't hear uh, something in your area, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Go over to jeeptalkshow.com and look at the show notes for whatever episode you're listening to, and you'll see the other events that people have given us. So keep those things coming in, folks. But uh, just want to make sure that, uh, uh, Josh, you were checking, and also, too, that everybody knows, you can go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, fill out our little uh, Wheeling Wear events because we want everybody to know, uh, get out there and you know meet the family that you've uh, uh, that you're meeting for the first time. You know, I think that's one of the things that a young man, uh, maybe when you get into your 30s, you're always uh, concerned about meeting family that you've never met before. Uh, a young lady or a young lady, young man walks up and says, Dad? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, gee. All right. Tell me some good news. Well, uh, my Jeep is running and driving awesome. How about yours? It Yay. is. So no <laughs> leaks? No, no, I, uh, man, I, I have been in so many Dana thirties lately. It's not even funny. <laughs> uh, now you're just bragging. Well, you know, um, no, I had a last weekend, uh, kind of double duty, uh, did a full axle rebuild for, on a 92 XJ, um, on it with a Dana 30. And, uh, I mean, just down to the tubes, man. Um, after doing so much Dana 30 work over the last month or so, uh, came back and uh, this last Sunday uh, went to go, you know, right, redo my axle seals because I was a complete retard and uh, and <laughs> was going back and forth with my axle shaft as I'm trying to put it in and rotating it. And I knew as soon as I did it, I was like, what are you doing? You probably just nicked the seal. Yeah. You probably are going to have a leak now. I hope for the best. And the next morning I came out and there was a nice little puddle on the on the floor in the garage. So. Um, so I had to redo the seals, which involves, you know, you got to take off the tires and wheels. You got to take off the brake. You got to take off the rotor. You got to take out the, the wheel bearing, take out the axle shaft. You have to do that on both sides. And then you have to take out the differential and that's just to get to the seals. And you have to remove the seals and then press the new ones in, which is no easy feat unto itself, getting them straight and pressed in flush. So, um, I have some intimate knowledge now and having done this so many times, in the recent past, I can now strip a Dana 30 in about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Practice makes perfect. So right? now you just need it, to it really hit, the, hit wall the Walmart parking lots and uh, no, get some no, parts. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But I mean, having gone through this so many times here recently, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, yeah, I can do this in my sleep now. Um, and so probably I probably do have dreams about well, it. Well, <laughs> almost. Almost. But no, I, uh, I was helping out a buddy, did a locker install, got a, uh, he got one of those locker. Uh, lockers uh, <laughs> straight out of Australia. Uh, no, I, I, some people say that they are a, a a Spartan knockoff, or they're an Aussie locker knockoff. That they're these are the ones that don't pass QC, um, and then they they just refurbish them and then ship them out. That is not the case. This is a separate company, and uh, and they have gotten some very decent reviews for their product. Um, he's been sitting on this one for the better part of two or three years oh, and yeah. finally got around to uh, to putting it in and, and reached out to me for some help. And I was more than happy to to lend my services. So 
Um, shout out to uh, War Wagon uh, for you know and doing all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it was we had a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, uh, doing all that, I ran out of time to work on mine, uh, so I had to do it the next day. So I spent this last Sunday tearing down my own axle. And uh, I had a limited time, too, because I had uh, several things going on and, of course, had to drive it to work the next morning. And, uh, well, it, yeah, I got straight to work and discovered that I can strip my axle in 45 minutes. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was pleasantly pleased. Not that I was trying for any sort of record or anything like that, but uh, it was nice to know that, that, you know, I can get down to that level of things in that period of time. Uh, not that I'm trying to win any speed records for that sort of stuff, but... Um, got some, uh, got some new axle seals. Those went in just fine. Um, even tried, uh, developing myself a, a little tool, uh, using some all thread and some washers and, and some other things to try and, uh, get myself a little press tool to get those, uh, get those seals p- pressed in inside the differential. Didn't work out as I was planning. Um, so I ended up having to, uh, call in a favor, get somebody else to come out and help me out with, by swinging a hammer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you guys, uh, have ever had to do a seal, um, install in an axle that has an offset differential, eh, it's not that fun. So, uh, got it in though, got everything put back together. Um, got the RTV on the uh, diff cover, put all that back together, uh, refresh the hardware on that because it was still the stock 1999 Dana 30 hardware. Uh, so I got some grade eight, uh, uh, Great bolts to put the diff cover on. It looks real nice, but uh, I let that sit for a little while and then filled it up right before I left uh, left for work. And uh, yeah, it's been nice and dry ever since. Oh, there we go. That was my payoff. I was just going to say. So you never said if it was leaking or not. I, I want to make sure. Well, no, you-, you know, I, there was that there was an apprehension. It was like, well, I didn't discover it was leaking until the following morning. It's right. like, well, I, you know, I'm kind of filling this up last minute. So uh, you know, I came out, you know, uh, came out to to leave work on Monday uh, Monday afternoon. I'm the first thing I do is kind of bend down, look underneath the differential. It's like, well, all right, we're still dry. All right, here we go. Yeah. Well, that's your mistake. You don't look. You just assume it. It's oh, fine, and it will be. <laughs> uh, so, did you when you took the the offending seal out? Mm-hmm. If, if if it was in a state that you, it was not screwed up by by getting it out, could you see where it was, Nick? Could you see where the problem was? Uh, no, I couldn't. Um, ah. But what I did find, what I did find, is that the, in this we're talking about the driver's side seal specifically here. In my case, uh, it had not. I, I don't think that I had it seated fully. Uh, because it came out with like pinky force. I mean, oh. it was just, I mean, barely in there. So it was like so seeping I'm, I'm, probably. I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it was seeping past the seal, not through the seal. So um, it, it's not where the axle, where the seal con- uh, contacts the axle shaft. It's where the seal contacts the axle tube. Yeah, the tube. And, and it was leaking past that. So, um, I mean, it was in there. It was pressed. It wasn't messing with the bearings or the differential or anything like that. But nonetheless, it wasn't installed properly. Now, there's a chance that I knocked it out of place when I was going back and forth trying to get that axle shaft in. I was being careless, and so entirely my fault. Um, And I was just, I I was rushing things. I wasn't paying attention as well as I should have. And it's one of those things to where, I mean, the slightest little oversight can just put a massive amount of work back on your plate uh, unexpectedly. So, and I sort of half expected this one, but nonetheless, mm. happy ending, so, all fixed and good to go. So I've never done the, replace the axle seals of, uh, whenever we did mm. the 450, 456 gears, they were replaced by the guy doing the gears. And this next time when I go to put the ARB in, uh, it's got, they're going to be replaced by somebody else. Uh, do you put uh, RTV around the seal, uh, to help hold it in place? 
So there, there is a factory silicone seal. I'm going to use this word seal very loosely here because essentially this is, this is a, a almost like caulking that is used okay. to seal the tube during the point of manufacturing. And when you press the seal, you, you, you kind of fit the seal in behind this ring of silicone that's there. And it's, this isn't a serviceable part. You can't get a new one. This is just part of the axle. And when it fails, it fails. And, and that's it. It's not the end of the world. Um, some people just will build that back up with, with some RTV and you're fine. Um, most people don't run into the condition where that seal is, is, is so worn or it's been abused or whatever to the point of where you have to do any work with it. Typically, 99.9% .9 of the time, that seal is fine because ultimately those seals don't really get replaced all that often. We're talking about once every couple hundred thousand miles unless you're in there doing work. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things to where they, they just never get touched. These other seals, you know, even though it's not serviceable, it's part of the axle. It's in there. The, this, the, the, the axle seals come in contact with these. It's not something that you have to do. Now, if you are in a position to where you're on your third or fourth seal install and you just can't get it right, then there might be something in there to where, you know, it's preventing you from seating that seal all the way, or perhaps you're just, you're not installing it correctly and you need to seek the advice of a professional. In any case, I would recommend against just starting to put RTV in your differential in random places <laughs> um, to try and, and, and fix a leak or something. If you start, you know, if that RTV starts coming loose and whatnot and starts getting into the gears, yes, it's soft and it's rubbery and whatnot, but that's not something that you want moving around oh, in your differential. All that debris and the oil. Well, yeah, and especially if you have something like an e-locker, uh, you know, an electronic locking device in your axle or an ARB locker, uh, uh, an aux locker, cable axle, anything, anything where there's, there's mechanics going on, there's moving parts in there other than just the differential you're going to start running into problems if you get RTV into places where it shouldn't be. Yeah, the other stuff's kind of like a meat grinder and not such a big deal, but the uh, the smaller ports used in parts in those those other lockers may be an issue. So well, Tammy, not to mention you you take the risk of uh, plugging your 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 uh, your breather port as well and then, yeah. then which case or, you start you're running the risk of uh, frying your axle. Yeah, very true. Hey, uh Tammy, I had forgotten about this. I see here in the show notes about the uh having the uh uh, the factory plug for your uh, blinky headlight uh, replaced. I had forgotten yeah. about, about it to ask you if it fixed it or not. Actually, I just, um, Jeff's been so busy. He finally just got me in, gosh, when did I go in? Tuesday or Wednesday? And he still had the, um, we ordered the factory plug and wires. And... Um, so we just snipped off the old plug and it's the plug that comes out of the, all the wiring that you would hook the headlight into. Think, and, it, you know, think I, of it as the optical nerve coming from the back of the right, eyeball. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the headlights I have are LED headlights and um, they were flickering at one time and that's when everyone said, oh, you need to get the anti-flicker harness, right. which I did. And so then that flickering thingy went away. It just stopped. <laughs> it right. just went off. <laughs> and so, but then all of a sudden, one of my headlights just didn't work. It just didn't turn on. And I called my husband and he came out and he did the old Fonzarelli, yeah. uh -huh. hit it with his hand. <laughs> and it went back on. I'm like, oh, wow. Hey. So I did what Josh <laughs> did and I swapped them to see, you know, is it the headlight? Is it the wires? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So it's that driver's side. So when I took it to Jeff, 
um, he's like, oh, yeah, I've seen a couple Wranglers with this problem, and it's the factory wiring harness. Amazing. If that's what you call it. Anyway, so at the time, um, Mike, he's the mechanic guy that helps me, he showed me, you know, to clean the little plug inputs. What are those called? Where Contacts. you plug it in? Contacts, yes. yeah. Yeah, with a, so I carry um, paper clips in my Jeep now because you never know. So that's what he cleaned it with. And then we put dialectic grease on and they worked. So we didn't change it out then. But then driving home from bartending school, I was on this bumpy road and my light was just flashing off and on every time I hit a bump. Oh, and they went off, and that's when I got pulled over. By Such a dangerous officer. time. Uh, yeah. Haven't been drinking yeah. all those drinks, and you know that. Yeah, I know, oh, Tony. <laughs> it's bartending uh, school. I think everybody knows. water. Oh, she color says water. that, but you know. Can yeah. You- can you imagine how expensive that would be? Anyway, <laughs> I'd make like two hundred <laughs> drinks tonight. So long, <laughs> long story longer. Um, I Jeff finally got some time. For me to come in, he pulled out his Hummer, which he bought a Hummer. Or no, not a Hummer, a Humvee, excuse me. There you go. Yeah, and so I pulled into that spot, and Mike went in, and we just clipped the the plug. And the interesting thing is the light would not plug into the new plug. <laughs> oh, no. It once there's that little tab there. When you plug it in, you hear that snap. And I'm like, shit. Oh, sorry. And um, so what he did is there on the uh, anti-flicker harness, he just shaved a little bit of the tab, and it it's working now. It was able to oh, snap in. Yeah. And because Mike's forte is wiring. So, so damn it, is it fixed? <laughs> it's knock on wood for two days, it's fixed. All so. Right. But I haven't hit any rocks. I haven't hit any bumps. So well, well, you know, you know a place you can test it. You can go down that bumpy road. Yeah, I'll have to take a a trip up to 100 to this weekend and test it out. So, weren't you saying something about uh, uh, Jeff's place? He actually got uh, some uh, some new employees there. I remember a couple of times that you had talked about uh, that he was looking for somebody and couldn't find anybody, and Josh wouldn't move. Yeah, that's right. I think we well. So yeah, remember, no, he couldn't afford me, but yeah. yeah. So remember when um, I did that story on the shoddy axle work? Oh, that, these, oh, these yeah. were the guys oh, that yeah. did it. Then he hired I them. Watched no. that. I still watch <laughs> I refer to that video every so often because I yeah. couldn't believe oh, what yeah, I was seeing. It was bad. So this axle came from one of these guys' Jeeps. And oh, they're, tw- they're twins. Okay, yes. With Jeeps, twin males with Jeeps and beards. I was in heaven. <laughs> no but they're really cool it's the guys color, it's just the colored mm, water talking folks yeah. jeep dad. Mm. yes but they're both helping jeff out they're working there and they have never been to roush creek so Uh-oh. i i told them because they they wheel wherever they feel like wheeling uh, um at any yeah. point uh did you use yeah. these words you need to follow Mama to the woods. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I gave him, I gave him the Jeep talk show cards and my Jeep Mama bracelets, and I now have Jeep Mama chapstick, um, which I gave away at Women's Wheel and Day. But anyway, 
No, they're really nice guys. Their rigs are. Can you guys pretty... put this chapstick on slowly <laughs> while making eye contact with me, please? <laughs> um, okay, now I guess I'm. My face is turning red. Oh um, uh, no! So I, I kid because I really, love. I kid because yeah. I love. It's, it's all nothing but love here. My mom always told me if they pick on you, they like you. So, um, <laughs> those guys at that Jeep farm must have really liked me then, huh? Oh yeah. Anyway, um, their Jeeps are really cool. Jeff's got lots of great workers there. He's going to need to expand because he's so busy. It's amazing. Oh, uh, and uh, this isn't a plug. I just remembered this. Didn't you say that some people, some women have come in and, and said, hey, I heard uh, Tammy? Yes. Yes, actually. Oh, um, wow, Jeff is yeah, awesome. You didn't yeah. hear about this, did you? No, yeah, I didn't. This is, this is new to me. Yeah, Jeff is with Adrenaline Off-Road and he's at the shop and um, somebody came into his shop to get their Jeep fixed and they're like, I heard Tammy mention your name on the Jeep talk show. So... Um, that was pretty cool. But they were going that there anyway. Cool. Uh, it wasn't right. It wasn't new business that was in no, there. But, but, but still, it was a listener. People listening, yeah. yeah. And when I forgot to tell you guys this, when I was at Women's Wheeling Day, um, this woman had come all the way from Ohio, and she was wheeling in our group. And she kept looking at me, and she's like, you know, I recognize your voice, but I didn't recognize your face. So <laughs> I guess I have a a radio voice. Why is this lady staring at me? This is uh, this is a Seinfeld episode where they had that that one lady that Kramer was always calling about the sexual phone call type stuff, <laughs> and, he, and she was dating Jerry, and he recognized the voice, and he kept looking at her. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. So I want to tell you guys this, uh, but to tell you about this really quick. Um, the uh, I know I got my ham license when I was like 16 years old, and I don't know if you've ever been 16 years old, but uh, there's certain things that you talk about with your peers, and ham radio is not one of them. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, for sure. Really. Yeah, well, so, certainly not at 16. Anyways. No, yeah. I do so, not recommend that you do that. So I learned a long time ago just to keep my little uh, weird things to myself. <laughs> so uh, that's carried over into my older uh, uh, days, and I don't really talk about the ham radio that much, simply because. People glaze over or they try to be polite and listen to it. But I'm finding there's actually quite a few people that are, are interested in ham radio. Uh, actually, I don't know if you saw it or not, uh, Josh, but Dusty uh, Dusty L. Dunn uh, passed his technician class yeah. license today. Yeah, I saw I saw that. Uh, I need to send him some congratulations. Uh, I was a little confused because he was talking about going for a general class uh, certification, and I, I don't think he made it or, or he was looking at the questions well, or something. Well, he said I, there was a lot yeah, of red was, on that uh, <laughs> All that test so i think it, yeah. i think that meant he didn't pass but he got his technician no. which is great yeah that's that's where i'm at too so congrats dusty and uh and we'll be uh, we'll be talking here soon to you so one of the things that i uh, i've mentioned to dusty and posted up on the uh, jeep talk show group about a uh, very nerdy stuff i think i actually started the post with nerd alert uh was uh, dmr radio uh did the dmr radio is digital radio i think it's actually digital mobile radio is what the dmr stands for and I had been interested in doing some digital uh, ham radio stuff just because it's new and something fun to play with. Now, fire and police and a, uh, a lot of commercial stuff has been digital for a while now with uh, uh, mm -hmm. trunks and uh, a bunch of other crap. Uh, some, some of it even encrypted. So uh, I just thought it'd be fun to play around with. But there was uh, there's like D-Star, which is an ICOM uh, method of compressing the uh, analog audio into digital form. 
Uh, there is, uh, there's another one that Yezu uses. And then there was this one called DMR, which I found out was a open, uh, uh, compression that, uh, a codec, uh, that, that could be used from Motorola. It was actually some Motorola, uh, uh folks, uh, engineers and stuff saw that they could bring this over to ham radio. It's, it's interesting. A lot of technical people are ham radio operators. So this stuff happens quite a bit. So anyway, I got to look at the DMR and uh, watched an online video uh, about a specific radio that was uh, $159, uh, dual band. Not only did it work uh, in digital mode, it also worked in analog mode. So I would have a little handy talkie, or some of you guys might look at it as a walkie talkie. It's just a little handheld transceiver uh, that I could, I could use on regular ham repeaters on two meters and 70 centimeters, or I could play around with the digital mode of DMR. So digging into it a little bit, uh, after I'd found a radio, I found that you could also get uh, your own repeater. Uh, basically, it's a little Raspberry Pi with a special board that plugs into the top of it. And you hook this thing into the internet, either wirelessly or uh, through a wired connection. And now you're connected to other repeaters around the world so that you can use your little handheld radio and talk to the this little hotspot uh, that's close by to you and you can talk to anybody in the world on five watts and it's perfectly clear there's no analog fade you either have a signal or you don't because it's digital and it's error correcting so the audio is you know like near perfect so i can walk around the house here and talk on my digital radio in fact the first conversation that i had on the digital radio was uh, with a guy driving down the road in Guam. So it, it, now, of course, it was going through the internet. And one of the nice things about ham radio is is that it works when other communication fails. But DMR, if you're using the internet, well, potentially you're not going to be able to to, to talk on, and during emergency communications. But most of the time, that's not the case. So uh, you can carry these little hotspots with you uh, wherever you go and use your phone's. Um, uh, hotspot, uh, turn on the hotspot, let the little uh, uh, radio hotspot connect to it, uh, to connect to the internet, and have conversations while you're driving on the road. Uh, you don't have to worry about being in range of the repeater. All you have to do is worry about being in range of the, the little ham radio hotspot. So uh, if, you, if, you're more, if you're interested in more of this, we, uh, I'm actually in talks with a gentleman uh, that uh, did one of the videos that I watched to help me understand about DMR. And uh, we're hoping to have a, a, a series uh, coming up very soon to teach you more about DMR and uh, how you can get into it. Uh, it's a really cool little thing. Josh, and I know that you have a, uh, a handheld radio. Uh, you, you got your technician license, but you have an issue that you're too far from the repeater to be able to, to, to use that radio. And uh, that's one of the things I thought the DMR would be very interesting to you. And, and I'm sure you're not the only person in that boat where you, you don't want to put a huge multi-hundred or thousand dollar investment into ante ex uh, external antennas and mm -hmm. amplifiers and everything else yeah. just, just to see if you're going to enjoy the hobby. Where DMR, I mean, I spent uh, uh, two, plug two, and play. 250 bucks and about three or four hours of my time getting things set up and programmed. And now all I have to have really is that equipment and the internet. We'll be curious to see what sort of uh, connections you end up making. Uh, end up getting any uh, DX uh, stuff going? Is you get communicating with somebody in Thailand or New Guinea or something? Oh, it's it's all over. I mean, you hear them, and uh, it's it's all about talk groups on uh, DMR. And uh, it's whoever comes into the talk group, you hear them from 
uh, Canada, from Australia. To, uh, a lot of times they're going to bed whenever somebody is talking to them here in, in the evening, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just amazing, and it's crystal clear communication, uh, as, as you would expect going across the Internet. Well, speaking of communications and uh, people from around the world, doesn't matter where you're from, just head over to deeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the campfireside chat or just, well, might even have you as a guest on the show. Hey, now let's talk about some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. And hey, let us know about your event. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, click and fill out our wheeling wear form. And who knows, you might just hear it here on the show. We've got the Jeep Beach, Jeep Beach West 2018. It's coming back, guys, October 5th through the 7th in Pismo Beach, California. And uh, October 19th through the 21st at the Market of Marianne off of Highway 441 in Bellevue, Florida, opposite of the coast. It's Jeeptoberfest 2018. Of course, we will have uh, more information on these events and others and the links for all this sort of stuff at jeeptalkshow.com. Just visit uh, the uh, show notes for this episode and you can find out all the good stuff. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to enable the Jeep Talk Show news skill in your Amazon Alexa flash briefing. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. If a Jeep leaves Chicago at 3 a.m. and is traveling 65 miles per hour heading west and a Honda Accord leaves Oregon traveling, at e- traveling east at 57 miles per hour, how fast can the police catch up to my stolen commuter? Podcasting <laughs> oh, since 2010.